You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello and welcome to the only Star Wars podcast this week, reviewing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. That's right. <laughs> this is Two Sons of Tatooine, and my name is Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And I am joined today by my co-host, <clears throat> Star Wars book enthusiast, and semi-competitive reader, Jonathan Cohn. So, we want to thank you for joining us, as always, as we dive deeper into all things Star Wars. And as you might have guessed today, we will be discussing the long-awaited, eagerly anticipated Season 2, Episode 1 of The Mandalorian. This episode was entitled The Marshal. We have a ton to discuss, so Jonathan, I just want to start us out by throwing it to you. What were some opening thoughts that you had about the episode? First of all, my first thoughts are, it's here, it's here! Um, <laughs> yeah. We've been waiting for so long. We've 2020 has been a terrible year for entertainment, but maybe it's going to redeem itself at the end. And if this episode is any indication, the end of 2020 is going to be awesome. Mm. Um, but I, I loved this episode. I thought it was fantastic. Um, you mentioned that I'm a book enthusiast, and that is very applicable to this episode of The Mandalorian, which is very exciting. Um, normally, you wouldn't be able to say something like that, and we'll get to that when we get to that character. That's true. But overall, I thought it was great pacing, great CGI, like amazing CGI. Like I still am thinking about how this whole episode was shot indoors. Right. Like, I can't that wait shocks for me. more. Um, I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah I, was, I was looking the, the at whole some shots, is, like looking for the volume and thinking, okay, where's the boundary of it? And it's seamless, man. It's you can you can I you don't can, I it's uh, it's really fantastic what they've I, done. I, I'm impressed. So impressed. it really is. And then what's what's also cool <clears throat> with it is that like they this episode was a lot longer than a lot of the previous episodes. Like before in season one, they started out around 30 minutes and slowly increased to be about 40 something uh, towards the end. And this one's uh, out of the gate, 55 minutes long. And I'm like, yes, yes. awesome. It's, all, it's actually twice as long as the shortest episode in season one. So it's just, it just mm. shows how long this was. It was great. Um, but the yeah, plans I loved that I've read just everything are, about it. Um, it that ranks it's going to continue for, to be that long. Yeah, um, go ahead. I was going to say it ranks up there for my favorite episodes of the series. I don't. I your I have to give favorite. it more time, but okay, overall, I'm, that's what I, I know think. your favorite was episode two of, yes. of you know that was your absolute favorite, and. Uh, so this one, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to pop. You've not seen it again. We were talking beforehand, and Jonathan only saw yeah. the one. T- He's been very busy, so I forgive him. But you need to see it again and then get back to us and let us know, especially, um, you know, I feel like as, as we have this, like, awesome going through every episode, we're going to get a chance to rank each one when you get to the end, and mm-hmm. ooh, we'll have to do an overall ranking as well as a season two ranking, so... Absolutely. I can exciting. I can tell you at least that those thus far this is my favorite episode of season two. Ha! Very good, <laughs> sir. Very good. Very good humor. This is why people <laughs> listen to this show for jokes like that. 
you all you Tuscan Raiders out there that only speak Jonathan's humor, um, <clears throat> which I loved that. I loved the, uh, <clears throat> the Tuscan Raider interactions. So, uh, I agree with you about how great it was, and uh, we're just gonna. What we're gonna do in today's podcast is really we're gonna go through the episode. So we start out, and um, we got some scenes of this in the trailer. They're on this dark planet, and you see mm-hmm. these, you know, graffiti is everywhere. Which you know, there's a lot of cool throwbacks and Easter eggs in some of the graffiti mm-hmm. that have been pointed out. If you pause, and you can see this figure and that figure, and um, or at least it's based off of inspired by such and such. And uh, <clears throat> I'm actually, they never give us the name of this planet. I was always hoping, I was hoping for the name. Um, but uh, the opening scene, they're going, it's nighttime, and they're going to uh, see this guy named uh, Gore Koresh. Now, mm-hmm. is Gore Koresh a book character? Is this his first appearance? No, no this is his first appearance. Okay. Now, I don't know his species. They, they've got one eye, one eye. And uh, interestingly enough, he was running this criminal kind of underground fighting ring, which we did see in the trailer. And uh, <clears throat> we had almost all seen most of this scene already. That's the one scene mm-hmm. I, I didn't I did not. If you'd asked me, which we talked about this before, but I did not think that would be the opening scene of the show. I didn't mm-hmm. think that. Um, <clears throat> so props on them for making the trailer just from like the first 10 minutes of the episode, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's very it's very smart that they did that because now we're going into the rest of the season mostly blind. Yeah. Like we really don't know what's up. And uh with Gore Koresh and that whole scene, that was my least favorite part of the episode, <clears throat> mostly because I already knew everything that was yeah, gonna happen yeah. in it. Um up until the point where he's hanging upside down. Um and at one point he says, I swear on the Gatra and the Gatra is actually this really disturbing group of droids that ah. have attached human flesh to their arms. So instead of having droid arms, they have human arms, but they're droids. And they... So it's this weird, disgustingly creepy cyborg thing. And it's this group that is, you know, causing these terrible things across the universe. And it started in one of the books. So yes. that was a that was a sly reference. And what's great is that it didn't like you didn't feel lost for not knowing it. He's just oh, he's swearing on something. You don't you don't need to know what that was. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I actually missed it initially when I heard it. But ah. with that opening scene, um, of course, seeing Baby Yoda and yeah. uh, uh, the the kind of nope uh, what I'm calling the noping out moment oh where yeah, he just yeah yeah escapes yeah. that it was great in the trailer and it made us all laugh in the episode it did um, it it was a good moment I w- about the gotcha before we get on from them I loved the inclusion I'm glad you brought it up I didn't think you would and uh, I really feel like this could be foreshadowing this could be building for a possible future season or even this season. Um, but I really don't want to see the Gatra though because <clears throat> they are really disturbing, at least from what I've read about. But them. the so idea like, of droid liberation, of them being enslaved, you know, it's kind of like that Mass Effect thing with the um, the Geth. Yeah. Um, you know, these sentient I don't robots. Know if I don't know if you'd like it because they had a similar storyline, not the same, but similar. In solo, and I know you didn't like I, you didn't like that for other reasons because of some of the political agenda that it talks about. But you didn't like L three three seven and her droid 
liberation moments there. <sighs> yeah, it was just L3. It wasn't the, the story was a problem. You know, that's an, that's an interesting concept. And if Mandalorian does it, they'll be, they'll be doing it tastefully, I think. Yeah, anyway, I'm sure. Um, but we, you know, we, the, I guess we just paused to talk about that because it could be a possible foreshadowing of future things to come in Mandalorian. But continue with what you were talking about in that scene. <clears throat> yeah, and so I thought that scene, the, the Baby Yoda moment was excellent. Um, they really did a perfect job of having just enough Baby Yoda moments to make us all giggle and get new memes, but also mm-hmm. enough that... Um, uh, that that we we're not feeling like oh this is too much baby yoda which sounds kind of oxymoronic but you could have too much baby yoda theoretically oh, this, in an episode my and, one um, thing about this whole episode was, go ahead if you could my one thing, thing about this episode uh, okay never mind this, i interrupt you again <laughs> go ahead go, go ahead, ahead. i was just gonna say i don't think the child <laughs> got much coverage the child was almost in zero of this whole episode. He played no role to the plot. Anyway, and his only his main funny moment was was the one we saw in the trailer. So therefore, my comment was yeah. I thought the episode was great and didn't rely on him for that stuff and we'll get more of him later when he'll mm-hmm. be more important to the plot, but he wasn't important at all. It was just like a matter of protecting him, but we didn't ever get the sense that he was in danger. Mm-hmm. We didn't ever get that, you know. Anyway, moving on to back to you, or you were saying before I, I interrupted you twice. All right. So what I also thought was interesting was um, when he flings the guy up in the air and um, uh, and and he says, uh, where can I find a Mandalorian? And the guy says, Tatooine. There were five people in the room watching it um, with me. Uh, a bunch of my friends and I, we get together. We have a, we normally have a movie night together and instead we just did Mandalorian together and when he said Tatooine two of the five of us I was one of the two like jumped in the air and were like yes they're going there and everyone else was just like looking at us like are you guys nuts what are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just like ooh 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 um uh uh and when we got later on in the episode and another character showed up uh not the big character but the other character that showed up I literally grabbed um uh, my friend's arms and was like dude they're doing it and so (laughs) i just had all these great moments but going to tatooine was fun i really liked when um i forgot what's her name but the gal that operates the uh the the docking bay um Mm -hmm. that he goes in uh and 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 he goes in and she's just like guys he doesn't believe her name is and he's like nah they're okay I could, I could tell that joke was coming like a mile away, yes. and it was still hilarious. Yeah, I, um, I liked the, the, the humor. It fits, and that's one thing this, this show has done so well, and the humor continues to mm-hmm. be great. And knowing that Favreau himself was the, um, the writer as well as the director of this episode, making his directorial debut in, the, in this series, uh, he did a great job writing the character's and knowing he knows them so well, he knows exactly how they would react, and everything feels mm-hmm. no, nothing feels off. All the humor fits, and uh, there's great moments of that dispersed throughout. Um, <clears throat> and it it was honestly we're not to him yet, but but Cobb Vanth, the way that he was written, um, they could have messed up so many different ways, and I felt like they nailed it. 
They had so many different ways they could have messed up. That would have been mm-hmm. the biggest character that they could have messed up. Uh, but they didn't. Absolutely. <laughs> and they could have they 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 could have had more of a rivalry between him and and Mando. They could have had more of a, you know, kind of more of an antagonistic relationship and they didn't. And I'm so glad they didn't. There wasn't time for that. That wasn't what we needed. Um so um I guess moving on, but back back in that original scene, was there anything I did enjoy with the Gamorians? I enjoyed the the um the shields. They were using vibro shields. Did you notice that? Mhm. Okay, so yeah, Vibro Shields. That. Something that's used in uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yes. So Vibro Shields protect you from melee weapons. Um, and there are energy shields, Vibro Shields. They look different ways, but these blades that they're using, you know, they, they hit, up, hit off against an energy shield. And uh, it was so interesting to see that. Love seeing that. Um, the action and the whole first scene was great. The funny moment. We get to the, you know, we get there and we get to see um, her name was Pelimoto, the mechanic. Little fun moments with her, but oh, not too long. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she's like, by the force. And then she makes a comment like, if this thing ever like <laughs> reproduces or like splits or whatever it does, <laughs> she's like, I will pay to have my own. Which is basically <laughs> basically how I think all of America feels watching this is like, <laughs> <laughs> give us the child. <laughs> and they say it with their li- First, they say it nice, and they're like, no, seriously, give us the child. (laughs) We are all um, uh, Werner Herzog when he said, I would like to seize the baby. (laughs) So many great memes from that. I can't wait for the memes from this episode yet. As far as I've seen, there's not any that has stood out, but I need to think about that because maybe I can be the one that starts some of those memes. I don't know. Yeah, we haven't had really had time for the meme to go viral yet, but it will. Um, but one thing that I thought uh, with with that scene was when they uh, said they're going to Mos Pelgo, and they're like, it's not really called that anymore. And I don't think they referred to it by its new name, which is Freetown, but that's the new name of the of the <clears throat> settlement. Um, <clears throat> And I was when, when when once she said uh, it was uh, you know destroyed and kind of rebuilt and we were just like ooh ooh they're going there and I want to go ahead and go to that moment when he's in the kind of cantina type thing with mm-hmm. the Weequay and mm-hmm. Cobb Vanth shows up in the Boba Fett armor. Yes, I also kind of jumped up and down for that because I knew it wasn't. Oh, everybody instantly uh, I knew, knew it wasn't. It, uh, it's Boba not Fett. Boba Fett. I think anybody anybody who has seen Star yeah, Wars, was but like, I knew that's his armor, and that is not him. His yeah. neck was too long. They did a great job yeah. of visually letting you know right off the bat, this is not Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And that I knew because of the the town, it was Freetown. And so now I just have to say this and get it out of the way because I think this is. This is what excited me most about this episode is this is the first time that I know of, and I'm pretty sure everyone else is saying this too, so it's the first time that we have had a book original character make it into live-action Star Wars. Mm. We've had tons of the reverse and tons of characters who are kind of maybe referenced or offhanded, but never had a character jump onto the screen before. 
Um, the closest we got was Thrawn in Rebels, which is animated, which is still awesome, fantastic, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same. And so I was so excited. And you know the scene where he, you know, they see the Death Star explode and then they see he uh, he escapes to the desert and you see him on the Sandcrawler. That's all from the Aftermath books. In each Aftermath book, there's one little chapter called an interlude that has... In each book, there's one interlude about Cobb Vanth, and he's actually called initially the sheriff of Freetown, but he eventually starts calling himself the marshal of Freetown. And I was just so pleased to have this. And so you haven't read the Aftermath books, but you've no. now seen Cobb Vanth. What did you think about his introduction, his character, all that stuff? Honestly, Timothy Oliphant did a great job portraying him. I wasn't familiar mm-hmm. with him from too much stuff. Um, now I've looked into him now, and I'm like, okay. He seems to be a great great actor with a lot under his belt. But he reminded mm-hmm. me a little bit of, like, Negan from Walking Dead. When I first I saw him, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my, he's going to be, you know. I knew the I knew the character was named Cobb Vanth, but I went with a blank slate. So unlike you, I didn't have that. And uh, I honestly, I, I thought the way the character ended up was not, not at all how I expected. I thought he was mm-hmm. going to end up being a little bit kind of like in the Western, the guy who you think is good and ends up kind of, you know, being selfish in the end and, you know, robs yeah. you or takes your stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, becomes the bad guy, um, which is what I thought might happen. Yeah. And uh, they pleasantly were surprised that, that that did not happen. Very good. Go ahead. There were there were a ton of Western references and tropes and everything. And really, this show is a Western, so we shouldn't be surprised when they have those elements. But I really liked that inclusion. And there's even a line where he says, I think uh, one of us is going to end up walking out of here dead or something like that. Um, And it was basically uh, this town's not big enough for the two of us. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, it it was essentially that. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh, and so I just love the, the Western influences. It's so obvious, but so, so good. The Tuscans working together with the townspeople is such a, such a Western story of kind of like the, um, the natives working with the townspeople. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, and like when he goes and, uh, is petting the, the, the dogs, I'm forgetting what they're called. Um, oh, uh, yes. They're from something. I'm forgetting what, but it's like some reference to something as well. Oh, they they were in Attack of the Clones. That's what they were in. Um, well, they were also uh, in. Yeah, Anakin killed some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> along with the women yeah. and, the, and children the children too. too. <laughs> we talked. We talked and in our dogs. last episode. And we talked in our last episode about how certain things you can't say without referencing a prequel meme. Uh-huh. And you can't say the women without saying and the children, too. Uh, yes. There was a meme I saw the other day on prequel memes about um, VR allowing you to relive your favorite Star Wars moments. And it was like <laughs> most people like, you know, other scenes are like blown in the Death Star. Everyone on this subreddit. <laughs> and it showed the lightsaber scene that that Anakin, you know, ignites it before the youngling and the youngling's like, <gasps> "What, <laughs> Master Skywalker? Mine. What are we going to do?" 
VR, every Star Wars prequel member is like, this is the moment that I want to live out. <laughs> oh, we're so dark and depraved. <clears throat> <laughs> but um, I thought I thought all the Western influences were great in this episode. Um, I wanted to hear from you. Did you expect the whole plot with the crate dragon or were you really surprised when you saw that? No, the first time that in, that it comes through the st- city streets, I thought <clears throat> that it was one of those um, worms. Uh, in Star Wars, the Jedi Knight games, you crash land on a planet, and there are sandworms that that burrow under. And then, if you you know, if you're not fast enough, they will literally come up, in, up underneath you and like swallow your character whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so, I like, thought it was one of those. And um, for me, every time I see a character that's like. Or sorry, some kind of sand creature that's moving underground through the sands, like you would swim through water almost. I'm like, oh my gosh, the the muscles or whatever that it would take to do this are crazy. <laughs> um, something that something that can do this, that's insane. That's really just ridiculous how strong that they have to be. But you know, okay, set aside that and think, okay, there's got to be an in world explanation, like the acid mm-hmm. or something that he does or whatever, just the way that they're made. But I did not think crate dragon because. Crate Dragon to me, of course, was, you know, Nazi the Republic. It's more like an actual dragon. It's like four legs, no wings, mm-hmm. but it's like more like a big lizard, kind of like a Kel Dragon, uh, yeah. which is another Star Wars creature. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's just you know a typical giant lizard, and this was not it. This this one is not it at all. This one was kind of like, kind of like a huge. Well, we didn't ever see the full thing of it. Mm. So did it? Did we ever see arms and legs? No, but we ne- but as you said, we never really saw the full thing. Um, but yeah, it is almost like a worm. It reminded me of Dune, the Sandworms of Dune, which I just yes. read, which were great. Um, uh, and so I thought that was an interesting influence. But I always envisioned it like just. I guess I'm just not imaginative enough because I thought a crate dragon was like smog from The Hobbit. That's that's yeah. where my mind went with sure. crate dragon, but. Um, uh, this was still very cool. I ca- I have to go back and reread Kenobi with this image in my mind to yeah. get the right, but it's, but it is, it was so cool that that action scene, and we'll talk about that more in a sec, <clears throat> but um, I think this was also not a regular crate dragon. Uh, this was yeah, a greater crate dragon, yeah. which yeah. maybe, maybe that's just like the big death, uh, big boss of all crate dragons. I don't know. They're probably not usually know. this big, and in fact, the one, the dead one that we see, the skeleton of in, in A New Hope, doesn't look to be anywhere near this size. So clearly, this no, was it a, doesn't. Not. Maybe it's a baby. I mean, that could just be a regular, or like a teenage. Maybe you know, <clears throat> I'm sure it's, we sing the baby shark song with baby baby crate doot doot, and then the <laughs> teenage crate <laughs> greater crate doot doot a doot doot. <laughs> Oh gosh, we're we're wired tonight. Mandalorian season we are. two. It has us pumped. We're so excited, y'all. It does. It does. And with um the crate dragon, the for one thing, the CGI effects on the crate dragon were spectacular. The mm. whole action sequence was perfectly paced, perfectly written, everything. But the moment that you see the Tuscan go out. With the Bantha as bait <laughs> initially, yes. 
and you see him running away, I knew what was going to happen, and I was <laughs> laughing. I know. I was laughing. Was and everyone else, there, everyone else was like, Jonathan, that's terrible. And I was like, but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, it was pretty and funny. And so it just shows, yeah, it, and it wasn't like, Haha, funny. It was just uh, circumstances funny. And it was what, what made it even better was that it didn't even go after the Bantha. It just left the Bantha there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And seeing the um, storm or the, the Tuscan Raiders, which we never get to see their faces, but this is really the most we've seen of them anyway. And they just look at each other awkward. They're like, <laughs> and then Cobb Vance says, they may be open to another method. <laughs> what an interesting, <laughs> yeah, a lot, great observation. Yeah. I was like, who drew the short straw to be the one stand person to go down there and be like, okay, dinner time. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you, you better run. <laughs> and or you better make, next time you better bring a jetpack and be like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to take the armor myself. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. That's and the when, thing that um, it could go underground uh, made it just, mm. yeah. Go ahead. When, when um, Mando... Is I'm jumping ahead a little, but when Mando is like uh, uh, hits the jetpack and makes him go flying away, kind of like Boba Fett, yes, uh, in, exactly. In, uh, Return of the Jedi. When he does that and it eats him, all I could think of was um, in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two when Drax gets eaten by the thing, and you just see him with his two knives trying to get out, and he's just like, Argh! I <laughs> I envision Mando doing that, and I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. Um, but I thought that was a cool, a cool way. It was a little bit expected when you saw the Bantha with all the, with all the the, the expo- uh, explosives on it. Yeah. Um, but so backing up to this first, the, to the scene where we were at a yeah. second ago. So <clears throat> you have Mando and Cobb talking, and um, the dialogue is great. The pacing is great. Get straight to the point. Hey, I'm not a Mandalorian. Um, okay, we'll take the armor off and give it to me because it's mine by right. And he's like, well, see, the Mandalorian armor has been really great for the village and for me and tells him a little story about how I get to save everybody. And, you know, it's done a lot of good. OK. But then they, you know, very quickly they they moved it along to. All right. Let's fi- let's solve this problem. But we can't solve it the normal way because he'll sense a ship or a bar- bombardment. I'm like, OK, <clears throat> I'm, I'm guessing that this thing. I mean, this kind of crate dragon could probably go. Deep enough underground that anything short of like a super laser is not going to penetrate and get it. So it's mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, yeah. easy to kill. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Um, and then they then they immediately they go off on speeders. And the first thing that I think, and you may have to censor that, because Cobb rides up right beside Mando. He's in this normal speeder. And then Cobb rides up beside him. And I just think, man, that's some big dick energy. <laughs> Because Cobb is literally on, and you noticed this, didn't you? Anakin's pod racer I am engine. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, I'm just, I'm just making sure to write down when to, when to censor. When to Go censor ahead, it? Okay. Well, <clears throat> yeah, you probably, <laughs> you probably should. Just anyway, the, <laughs> the, the first thought is that's a pod racer engine. Wait a second. <laughs> It's Anakin's pod racer engine. How in the world did Anakin's pod racer engine survive this long? And how did he get it? And how did he turn it into just a regular speeder bike? Because that thing's got to be like 
for real, a huge amount of speed faster than just a regular speeder bike, you know? And how, like the energy, like the, cause the, it's got all this flame coming out the back of it. Like, I'm like, how did you avoid Mm -hmm. doing all that, getting that in your face and whatnot? Um, anyway, so I loved the, I I loved the, that was cool. The speeder bike and they get out there and for the second time we see that, um, Mando, is able to communicate with the Jawas, or not with the Jawas, with the Sand People. Uh, Jonathan, just tell mm-hmm. me, what was your like thoughts about the Jawas being able to communicate? This is the first, in, as far as I know, on TV or in even in the animated shows, the first time the Jawas have ever been communicated with. How did Mando learn to communicate with them so effectively, so reasonably? How is he able to do that when basically nobody has ever been able to do that, shown to be able to do that in... Um, any format that we've seen. You mean in um the I mean the Tuscans, not the Jawas. <clears throat> That's what I said. The Sand People. I said the Jawas, and I was like, okay. I mean the Sand People. <clears throat> okay, yeah. So basically, in the canon, we don't have that much of the Tuscan Raiders. So you're right; we haven't seen much communication with them. However, as has been referenced many times on this podcast, everyone should read Kenobi, which is a wonderful book where uh, Kenobi is actually able to talk with the Jawas and actually has conversations with them. Basically, he's speaking English and they're speaking their language, but he's able to communicate in such a way that they understand him. And Using the force, um, you mean? Or? Uh, the hand gestures thing is new. No, uh, somewhat in the force, and also he just doesn't, he just doesn't use strict sentences. He kind of uses... Um, he points a lot and things like that. Uh, he speaks very slowly and other things. <clears throat> and also they, they have a limited understanding of human language. Um, of, of well, that basic. makes sense to but, me. Obi-Wan's uh, a Jedi. Yeah, he, he spent 20 years on Tatooine. I expect him to be able to communicate. What yeah. about Din Djarin? What's, what, when did this guy learn how to communicate? I mean, these Tuscans are not um, like somebody he's, that he's... he's he said he's been on Tatooine sev- several times, many times. So he's been on Tatooine a lot. And um, I was going to save this theory for later, but Tuscan is not entirely a species. It's kind of it is, but he- there are examples in Star Wars history where humans join the Tuscans and just put on the mask to look like the Tuscans. And I believe that a certain character who we will talk about later on is actually in the entire episode disguised as a Tuscan. You just blew my freaking mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, that's, that's something that's going to be hard to put a bookmark into until the next, or well, until, until we're finished talking about the rest of the episode. But we we must mm-hmm. put a bookmark in that, and we'll come back to it. I promise. Yes. Because what an interesting theory. Stay tuned. Do not turn out. Um, <clears throat> anyway, as they talk with the Raiders, um, you know it, it. You know they show that there's a little bit of tension between Comvanth and them. It's like okay, so y'all have both been mean to each other. You know, oh, you killed so and so. You killed so and so. Well, you you know, <laughs> you raided mm-hmm. us. Well, of course we killed you. Well, you stole our land, or you drank our water, or whatever. You know, yeah. okay. We got to get Again, past this and to come together. Yeah, the constant. Yeah, it's the cowboys and the Indians right there. The same exact parallel, and 
just told in a format that's a lot more palatable for today's audiences, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, Westerns are classic, and uh, it's, this is just bringing it back. Anyway, mm-hmm. they get to there, and they, <clears throat> you know, of course, they get a chance to go and kind of look at this thing and realize they can't beat it. And then um, I love the speech when they finally go back to the village, and Cobb Vance just lays it out for them. And he does so in a very, like, a very just logical way. It was plain to understand, and the, the villagers are like, okay, well, it makes sense. Sure, we'll do that. And then he throws them on at the end and is like, oh, and by the way, we're going to have to team up with our enemies. Um, great trope for them to do. And it's a great way to show yeah. character growth of a village or whatever else. Like, oh, we're helping us, you know, we're building a better community where we all get along better. And um, I like the way that they phrased the, the deal. Like, they won't raise a blaster against you until or unless you raise a blaster first. Mm-hmm. I like that phrasing. That was that was nice writing. Yeah. They, there's a lot of interesting phrasing in this especially at the beginning when he said once he says i promise you you will not die by my hand uh with uh, to gore koresh i knew gore koresh was dead <laughs> oh yeah he was gonna yeah. he was gonna die because he's like by my hand that was very specific very specific how oddly um, specific was your do you want to kill me with your feet <laughs> <laughs> and so but by the way that was really dark Literally and figuratively, when he shoots <laughs> out the light and all those creatures just the, their their eyes start glowing, I was like, "Oh, that's that's a little bit creepy." Um, Perfect for a, a uh, Halloween release, yeah. That was yeah. probably something to do with the Halloween, yeah. Yeah, really, the fact that it came Halloween out a day release. before it, anyway. But absolutely, yeah. But um, but yeah, the the moment where he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna." Uh, we have all these extra people. Well, who who's who are all these extra people? Oh, this, I volunteered your town. <laughs> um, uh, and it was kind of interesting that like it was pretty I mean it's a TV show so they can't spend too long but it was a pretty simple we don't want to uh, uh, help them yeah but we kind of have to okay we'll help them like it yeah. was a very quick um, turnaround uh, and did you also notice that the uh, sand people rode single file to hide their numbers <laughs> I did notice that I loved that I loved the the long shots the long shots absolutely there were so and many I, of them. And how and they did they get them? How did they get them? <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I don't understand. I've That's seen uh, an entire documentary where they explain how they made everything, and I still don't understand how they were able to get that shot. <clears throat> I don't know, man. <laughs> but it, whatever they did was amazing because uh, you're right. Every time they get a long shot, you get the context. Like, I'm even thinking about moving ahead really to the actual battle, um, mm-hmm. the mountain, they go yeah. up on, they fly up onto this mountain. First that you see cool. the worm or the, the, uh, sorry, the, the crate dragon just pop its head out of the mountain and he's way up there and you, that you see cool. it from the ground and then they fly up and they're fighting it from the top of this mountain. And it's right beside him and you can see everybody down below. And, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how did they get the perspective right? And the view, right? And the and I was really impressed too. Cobb Vanthes had the I mentioned to you in text, but Cobb Vanthes had this for how many years now? Since episode, um, as far as we know, like this takes place roughly six years after uh, Return of the Jedi, and yeah. it's pretty quick after Return of the Jedi that he right that he because got they mentioned it. So that it was the basically the night of the Death Star exploding. They didn't get to celebrate. The mining guild came in and was just like, "Uh, we're taking over," <laughs> and that's when they were. 
or was it the mining guild or uh it was a mining guild not the mining guild um yes. yeah it was it was just some one but yeah you're right that mining actually, collective that, that's the one mining collective. collective yes mining collective but it was that action scene it was just <clears throat> brilliant and the the using the kind of like um uh the arrow things that like launched into it to try to hold it back um, uh, and you see these I thought that you know, was useless it, so I was like oh, they're not going to hold it <laughs> though, yeah but it was still a cool cool thing like you're taking primitive technology <clears throat> and combining it with a sci-fi element um, right. which I just I thought that was cool um, uh, it was cool seeing two Mandalorians working together not two not actual yes. Mandalorians but two people in Mandalorian armor working together yes um, and I they took this thing down man they did they yeah. took it down um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you about the, the technologies thing. So, um, everybody who has played Knights of the Republic, the mm, first thing yeah. you'll say is this was stolen. And we're like, okay, whatever. In the game, you actually, um, <clears throat> you plant a bunch of mines mm-hmm. yeah, and you lure the crate dragon out of his lair, which is a big cave and you have to get yeah. inside the cave, but first you got to take him out. So you lure him out. You don't get to fight it. You just literally you plant just a hundred mines, and uh, he blows himself up and dies. And mm-hmm. uh, so as soon as I saw this, like before anything, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're literally doing the exact same thing." But they didn't. That's not what happened. They tried the mines, and this crate dragon was much bigger and much stronger than the one in the video game. Mm-hmm. So it did not die at all from those mines underneath its belly. And uh, I don't know when it whenever it what it took was, I guess, for Mando to get swallowed. Did you ever worry about him? You're like, you do, what, what, did you expect some kind of consequences from him getting swallowed? No. Yeah, I didn't. In fact, when um, uh, uh, when, when he got swallowed, the person that was sitting next to me, she said, well, he's not dead. <laughs> so it kind of broke the tension and we were all like, shh. Stop it! <laughs> um, but yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't worried. I mean, obviously, like, like there are two characters in this show who are absolutely safe, and that's Mando and the child. Because Mando's safe because it's his show. In the final episode, they might kill him off, but not until then. And the child <clears throat> is safe because they do not want three hundred million angry Americans. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. um, they. So so you know those two are safe. So I thought Cobb Vanth was actually going to die. I thought he was going to be the one to make the final sacrifice at the end. Um, but he wasn't. Um, hmm. And I was glad because I want to see more from him. Uh, but I thought that was cool. I thought it was really gross, like how you saw the guts and stuff. Like, this is still a yeah. kid's show, guys. Like, kind of. Tone it down. But the, the no. egg. You, you see the egg and... In the, if I remember right, Knights of the Old Republic, you actually use the egg to get a lightsaber, kind of. Oh, um, you're talking about the, yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> so there are these spider creatures called the Kinrath, and they lay eggs, and you slaughter their eggs, and you pull a lightsaber out, or a lightsaber crystal out. Yeah, um, that's, what, that's one uh, of the ways I to thought get. They were, yeah, I thought they were referencing that, so I thought that was really cool. Um, well, crate uh, dragon pearls have always been a thing, so I was glad that they they made it huge. But I mean, obviously, the, the it was interesting because they talked about the Tuscans get the carcass, and I'm like, okay, yeah. for one, that makes sense because they're gonna want to eat that meat. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, for two, the Crate Dragon Pearl, my first thought was, I really hope that they would do that. I, hope, I mean, it would be so cool to see a Crate Dragon Pearl. And then it's bigger than like a Namekian Dragon Ball. It's huge. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like, this, is, this, this goes into the Western tropes, but like how... The thing is worth like more than the, the value of the Shire itself. But um, <clears throat> um, uh, half the Shire. Is that, is uh, that the quote? Yes. Half the Shire. Uh, Half the Shire. But the, the, the utilizing all the meat and all the stuff from the Crate Dragon reminded me of, like, you know, the Native Americans getting all the, um, the buffalo, u- utilizing every aspect of it, um, which I thought was cool. Um, but with the, uh, with the going towards, like, the end of the, that moment, I thought that, you know, I, I knew it was a reference to Knights of the Old Republic because one of my friends played it. And I, it, it reminded me how this show is so different from the way that the sequels were developed. And while I still like the sequels, I would prefer this show over them simply because, yeah. specifically with episode nine, which I loved, they avoided making references to tertiary material. In fact, they overrode other references and tertiary material. With Poe Dameron's history, with the the, the Senate, and with um, the political landscape, with Palpatine, they overrode what had already been written. Whereas with Mandalorian, they're not just going back on one thing, pulling someone out of the books. They're pulling out of action scenes straight out of the um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. They're pulling out... Yeah. Uh, there was something from the comics, I can't remember, but there was one thing from the comics uh, in the town... Um, uh, and they're actively trying to make references to these things, and yet it works in universe, and that's why I think just Mandalorian is just such a much better show, especially for me as a super nerd, because I feel like <laughs> I'm getting rewarded. I feel like they're saying, they're saying, thank you for reading our stuff. Now we're gonna give you a little treat for for doing that. Whereas yeah. JJ was like, I don't care about you. You're a super fan. I want the casual fan. So this was. This was that was good in that aspect, but I really, really want to talk about the end because I want to get to my, my theory. <laughs> well, before we do, um, <clears throat> I thought with I thought when when Mando got when he got eaten, I thought okay, one they mm-hmm. could do this, you know they could they could either have him come out completely unscathed or it would be fine if they have him come out and his armor is damaged or he's lost a piece or something like that, and they just have to drive the mm-hmm. story. That would have been fine, um, but I'm kind of glad that that he came out unscathed because um, I feel like we're already going to have we've already had foreshadowed the fact that the Razor Crest is going to get damaged pretty badly coming up, and he's going to have a whole yeah. lot on his on his plate as far as repairing that, and he may be stranded somewhere. Um, and if he had the disadvantage of having his armor damaged from a dragon fight or something like that, um, you know, it, while I love mm-hmm. having consequences and as a writer, you put stuff like that in. You're like, okay, I'm going to put this in this small little thing. That's you know, normally he'd be fine, but because he did this one thing, mm-hmm. it got a little bit damaged, and that's going to be the one thing later on that makes him lose. And you you plant those things two or three episodes in yeah. advance. Um, but as far as we know, they didn't give us one of those, and I'm like, okay, that's good, that's fine, um, unless unless um, uh, someone has to rely on Boba Fett's jetpack. Uh, to survive or escape in something. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, normally would be okay, but... <laughs> and it must have been repaired. I mean, I'm thinking either the Jawas did it or Cobb Vanth did it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. 
um, the last time we saw it, you know, Han Solo whacks the he whacks the jetpack and Boba Fett goes flying off and into the Sarlacc pit. And uh, yep. mm-hmm. and in this instance, you get whacked in the same exact spot. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm I'm just making an observation about how they uh, how they wrote that. And, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, <clears throat> at the end of the episode, what we uh, what we actually mm-hmm. see uh, as as the camera beautifully goes from a full 16 to 9 ratio back into the widescreen format that the Mandalorian episode usually is in, which it was in for the first 40 minutes of the episode. And then I know you noticed this, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. It went to the 16 by nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they, they said in interviews that they did that just to show the, the scale of the crate dragon to, to show the height of it, the depth of it better. Like when it's up on the mountain, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So they shot that on, I think IMAX cameras. Interestingly, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and then at the very end, they go back into the widescreen format. And as it's doing that, you're getting the long shot as he goes up into the distance, and you're hearing the music, and you're like, okay, into the episode, bum 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 bum, and it goes, ooh, the soundtrack changes a little bit, zooms out, and up on the ridge of a rock on Tatooine. Tell us what happens. You see, Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett. And the crowd went wild, Ugh. and um, this it was really cool. And for sure, like there, I saw some people saying, "Well, rugged. maybe it's just a clone trooper." That's and I'm like, "It is totally Boba Fett. That is Boba Fett." There's there, there's All no the argument anymore. Age twice as fast, He's going to show so. up later in the series. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and I, if you noticed, did you notice? What was what was on his back? Well, he had two things. He had one. He had a sniper rifle, a uh, really long rifle, and then he had this curved thing that I don't know what it was. It w- looked like it was a weapon, it, maybe, but what, it, what was it? It was a gaffy stick. Oh no way! Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. And and those sniper rifles are ty- are almost identical to the ones that the Tuscans use as well. So he's wearing so, a sniper rifle and he's wearing a gaffy stick, both things that Tuscans wear. He's wearing kind of a bland outfit, something that he would wear underneath the Tuscan robes if he was with the Tuscans observing Mando and the guy that stole his armor. And I'm just thinking, you go back and look through the episode, the moments that there are Tuscans, Quite often, you'll see a Tuscan that's off by himself, not part of the group, just looking at him. I think that's uh, I think that's our, we need our to guy, watch, Boba Fett. I did not watch the episode looking for that. So you, <clears throat> when you said it earlier, I was <laughs> I not either. prepared. And um, I, you know, I've read a lot of the stuff, a lot of the observations. Tell me honestly, did you get this from somewhere else? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. I got it from All you right. rock stars. I'm All not going right. to lie All about right. that. All right. Okay. Too bad. I would not have gotten. But I mean, like, it makes it. But it makes sense. Like, I totally believe that now. Like, it like it totally works. I mean, why does he have a gaffy stick of all things? Yeah, he found it somewhere. Yeah. But they, they were very purposeful in the way they shot that up. That scene you saw and the new rock stars pointed this out. And I figured it as well that. 
if you listen very closely on him when he starts walking away, you hear the the spur sound. Oh yeah, in his yeah. Feet. It's yes, the, the same spurs, spur sound the spurs that we heard in episode definitely five. the same as episode five. No doubt about it. It's confirmed yeah. to me. That's confirmed. It's on purpose. Nothing is accidental in a TV show like this. So those spurs confirm episode five yes. at the end of that episode. Boba Fett walks up, finds the dead body of the um, assassin that they had killed, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And from that, well, well, did she have anything on her person? Well, they probably didn't leave anything uh, on her person that would have identified the Mandalorian or... Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Anyway, it was definitely him. And wow. What, what, what about this? If, if your theory is true, what if at the very end they had shown... They'd zoomed out and they'd shown the Tusken Raider. They'd shown him as a Tusken Raider. And then you have him take off the Tusken Raider hat and it's Tamura yeah. Mernson underneath and he looks that at the camera. That would have been cooler. Uh, that, I think that would have been cooler because you've been like, oh my gosh, I've wanted to see what's under a Tusken Raider mask so long. And then yeah. it's, it's Boba Fett. He's been in disguise amongst the Tusken Raiders. I don't know. That might have been cooler, but maybe they would still do that. Maybe they're saving that for a like later release when... I honestly, yeah. they, they could still do this and they could, you know, in a future episode when they're back on Tatooine, they could go and talk to the Tuscans and they could think everything's good. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that's exactly what happens as he takes this thing off. And uh, <clears throat> who knows? I don't know, man. This, don't is, know. this is the danger of, of delving too deep into yeah, an episode. Yeah, we don't want to spoil if it you, for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll spoil it for ourselves. And it's not even a spoiler. It's just speculation. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I was... Uh, of course, everyone was excited. And it's weird because I've never been a Boba Fett fan. I've read a ton of books with him in it. But I was never, you know, I never was like, this book has Boba Fett. Let's go. Like, I was never like that. And mm-hmm. in video games, I didn't like he's you always have him, Darth Vader and um, uh, the Emperor in the original Battlefront. And he was my least favorite to play as. Because, like, the Emperor, you could use lightning, and Vader, you had a lightsaber, and Boba Fett, all he had was a gun, and I was just like, I don't care about that blaster. So, I've never really been a Boba Fett fan, but this has just ignited the... Ooh, he is getting, one of the toughest opponents, Fett. though. Like, um, there's, a, there's a level on Jedi Academy where you have to fight him, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he just jetpacks around. He, sh- mm-hmm. he shoots rockets from a distance. If you get near mm-hmm. him, he'll use your flamethrower, and all you have, really, is a melee weapon. Mm-hmm. And that flamethrower is just instant, just poof, so much damage that it does. So yeah. he's a very tough opponent because, you know, now as a Jedi, I'm sure if you're really focused, you could redirect fire and push it away from mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. We've seen that in small displays like in Rebels when um, uh, uh, he uh, he holds right before he dies. um not Ezra, but his master. Pfft, what's his name? I forgot. I'm, forgive me. Kanan. Kanan. Kanan blocks the. He blocks the explosion briefly, so that he can save the the Phantom as they're flying away. Um, anyway, so you can hold back fire a little bit, but in this game you can't hold back fire. And Boba Fett is a tough opponent, even when you're you're blocking and even when you get the you know. And you have to. You can only hit him with your lightsaber throws and things like that. He's just mm-hmm. a hard a hard fight for anybody. <clears throat> And you really think he's overpowered, and then you think, dang, 
and the Mandalorian is just overpowered. He's just as overpowered, man, because he's got this jetpack, and that immediately yeah. closes the. You can't get close to a Mandalorian. That's their mm-hmm. whole thing. Is they won't let you near them. Your 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 um your blasters they will they won't work right unless you use super super powerful something that's gonna get through Breskar, and then mm-hmm. you don't want them at a distance because they can literally just <laughs> snipe you or tear you apart or shoot a missile at you, mm-hmm. and you don't want them at clo- up close because they've got this flamethrower and really good close combat skills. Dude, they're overpowered, yeah. man. It's awesome, and I was I was just like you. I was never a Boba Fett fan, and now. I'm like I'm a way bigger Mandalorian fan of of Din Djarin mm-hmm. than I was a Boba Fett. You probably are too. Oh yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. So the, here's the question, and I feel like I'm I'm ninety percent certain and ten percent not certain. But I'll tell you, I'll ask you what you are. Is Boba Fett gonna be an enemy or an eventual ally slash not enemy? I think ninety percent he's gonna be antagonistic with the Mandalorian. It makes no sense to bring him back and him just be like, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. No, he's going to be fighting. He's going to want to do something. He's not going to be on, on board with whatever Mando's doing. He's not going to, like, um, the Moff, sure, he's going to be a problem. Boba Fett's probably going to be a bigger problem and will last longer as a threat than Moff Gideon. I don't know. I, I definitely think he's going to last longer than Moff Gideon, but I think that it's going to be... Um, that they start out fighting for a few episodes, and then finally it's the we gotta work together because we have a common enemy. <clears throat> like that's 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 how it's gonna. Well, end if the up. man I, like the uh, Moff Gideon's gonna find Boba Fett and be like, oh yeah, yeah, you were you were literally a loyalist to the to the Empire. You worked with Vader all the time. Come with me. I'll pay you. I'll pay you gobs of money. You know, I'm I'm the Imperial left, and Boba Fett will probably be like, sure, yeah. I mean. Give me my slave one back, or sorry, slave two back, and well, slave three, I guess. Slave, ooh, when are we gonna see slave three in Mandalorian? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I do want to point out something that I forgot to mention, which is in the action scene where they're in the town, and you're seeing the flashback of him just destroying the mining collective. There's one moment where he gets out there and he shoots the the rocket. And it just flies over and you see him turn around and it blows up behind him. And yes. it really reminded me of Iron, an Man. Iron Man, the the tank missile moment. Yep. <laughs> and that was another um, John Favreau that was a John absolutely. Favreau moment one hundred percent. Absolutely. And it it reminded me also of how in episode three of the first season we had the he's flying the ship and one of the Mandalorians come salutes him uh, off to the side and he sees the jetpack and he says, I got to get me one of those, uh, which is also very much referencing Iron Man when he's flying and the guy salutes him. Uh, So I like that reference. But uh, I just love that when he jumps out there. The people in my my group, one of them said, oh, yeah, he's totally going to use the missile. And so we knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. And it was still awesome to see. And it lingered a little bit. Like, normally you go, but it was like it kept going and kept going. And I was like, wait, wait for it. Wait Wait for it. Oh, now it's coming. So I thought that was 
I thought that was pretty funny. Well, then let um, me ask you this, Jonathan. What did you have anything in this episode that let you down, or you were left you were left thinking they could have done a little bit better job on? They could have fleshed something out a little bit more. What what didn't this episode have that you wanted? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I always want more from an episode, but this one is actually very very good, very full. Um, I. Uh, uh, the beginning I was not as enthralled with just because I had already seen it and rewatched so many times in the trailer that I just, I was like, okay, we're just getting through this. We already know this is coming. So I wasn't feeling particularly enthralled. It was great. I just wasn't that into it. So there's not anything that I was, I was very pleased overall with it. The only thing I'll say is that what one thing this episode that does really well is I still know the overall goal. He's going to search for Mandalorians, obviously. I have no idea where it's going to go next. Like, I really don't know what the next yeah. episode holds. Is he going to stay on Tatooine? Is he going to leave Tatooine? Is he going to come back? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's great. What's it he doing really with the armor? Loses. I mean, he's just going to hold on to it because he doesn't know where to take it. He still doesn't know where the next Mandalorian is. Yeah. So he's exactly so, where he was before. Just with armor. Maybe yeah. maybe Baby Yoda uh, uh, puts the puts the helmet. He puts on, on like the helmet. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if they have him put on the helmet and he's like picking it up, people are going to die. <laughs> there will be a pops of it next week. Like if it's there. <laughs> there <laughs> It'll be adorable. Okay. It's probably going to happen. So now that you've called that. Um, <laughs> um, and I already mentioned this. The child didn't have much of this episode as far as content goes. Mm-hmm. So I expect next episode to be a little bit more. Um, because they've got to develop, I guess, what they're going to do with him. Where they're going to take his character. He hasn't been foreshadowed. Other than mm-hmm. they just got to find the Jedi. Well, yeah. before you can find the Jedi... You got to find the rest of the Mandalorians, and they're going to help you track down where to go. So it doesn't seem like we're getting, you know, to the Jedi anytime soon. First, we got to get to mm. the Mandalorians, and probably, probably the next place he goes, he gets into some kind of trouble, and that's where the Razor Crest gets, um, yep, gets in some trouble. Um, do you I'm think we're going to the Water Planet next episode, or is that going to be Episode Three? I think that's going to be Episode Three. I think next yeah, episode is going to be something new. <clears throat> Um, but Something we don't what I was going to say was if we get to the Jedi and the specific Jedi that we are anticipating showing up, I think that's going to be the fifth episode because that's the one <clears throat> written by Dave Filoni. The first four are John Favreau. Episode five is written by Filoni. Episode six is Favreau. Seven is Rick Famuyiwa, which I'm mm. really curious why they gave him six, seven Instead of six, because last time he got six, but this time he has seven, and then eight is Favreau, um, and I so fully there, expect. Is there confirmed eight? Yeah, there's a confirmed eight, which makes me kind of sad. But you know, if they're all as long as this one, that's right. That's, that's great. what I'd heard that they were going to um, do longer episodes, which and you know. I don't know who directs in the future. I'm assuming Filoni is going to direct his own, and Fa- and uh, uh, Iwa will direct his own. But I don't know who's doing two, three, four. Six or eight. Who's directing those episodes? We still have. We we know that we have um, uh, uh, the guy who did uh, Ant Man is doing one of them. 
the guy that did the Machete films and other stuff and Spy Kids, he's doing mm-hmm. the uh, one of them. Then we have so nobody um, may get two then this year or this time except for except for John Favreau. I don't even think Favreau's going to get two. Um, oh, I thought you said he was directing again. Six. No, no, he's writing. He's writing all of. All, all, he's writing one through four, six and eight. Okay, he's um, writing those are his, his to yeah. write. Yeah, yes. Um, he's not directing those. I don't think. I mean, he might, but I don't think so. And of course, Carl Weathers has an episode. Oh and yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard has another episode. So. Does she? Okay. Yeah, she she revealed that she she did another one. Um, but they like last time they actually released a list of which episode goes with which director, and they haven't done that yet. So that's still kind of up in the air. But yeah, I am. I'm I'm so pumped. For, uh, next Friday cannot get here soon enough. <laughs> I know, man. I really. Now it comes out as far as the release time. It comes out at midnight Pacific time. Is that right? Or does it come out 1 yeah. o'clock Pacific? No, it comes out midnight because I know people who live on the West Coast who stayed up till midnight to watch it. Right. Um, so on Thursday night going into Friday. For, for you're in the Eastern time zone. I'm in, I'm in Central time zone. Yeah, for so that's you, like 2 a.m. for you, 3 a.m. for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm uh, not doing that either. <laughs> Not at now. I, now, once we're on Christmas break, or even on Thanksgiving break, honestly, on Thanksgiving break, I've got a whole week off. Um, yeah. We it worked out well for for teachers for this year, and so that one I will be, and you'll be back in town. Well, you'll be in Georgia, but won't you? You'll be no, with your not for Thanksgiving. No, not for, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <clears throat> no, uh, I will for Christmas back back home, but in uh, for Thanksgiving I'll be with my sister. Uh, but what's what's for me? At least until Thanksgiving, I'm going to be watching all the episodes with my friends. And so we have to find a time that all five of us can get together to watch it. So we always do it Friday evening because I work Fridays. Okay. So we do it well, Friday want, evening yeah. around 9 o'clock. I, everybody so who's s- listening, it was, it was so infuriating that on Friday I watched the episode first thing in the morning and then could not text Jonathan until that night <laughs> because he was like, don't tell me spoilers. I haven't got to see it. I'm like, you're working, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, dead gummit. Just text me the second you're done. So it was all day. And I could have watched it two or three times and, and still been... <laughs> You know, been pumped to tell him. But I, I'll tell you this: the very last se- last season, the last episode, I did stay up um, until two a.m. to watch it. Yeah, I, I watched no, it live. I, I don't think I I don't have the wherewithal to 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 stay up that late for this. But it was over you know, Christmas break, I think. So I was like, what else am I going to yeah. do? But um, what I'd rather do is just get up early the next morning at like eight a.m. seven a.m. and watch it but no. yeah I, I most of these i'll be watching either with my friends or with my family so we have to find a time that works for everyone to watch but this is this is so exciting like you were talking about the pumped like we were kind of getting into a little bit of a rut not gonna lie like we were just kind of like oh just survive until keep the the the, the podcast going until mandalorian <laughs> comes out well and i, I mean, was like we have an easy Easy thing. Mandalorian comes out, we'll just record. But now we're just like, man, I'm so pumped for Star Wars again, and I can feel uh, it. It's it's so good, man. And I it's think so Star good. Wars fans, all all of you out there, and everyone who has watched this, <clears throat> this is what we've wanted. This is what we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And Disney, you are doing a great job with Mandalorian. And mm-hmm. there was so much hype and so much just pressure 
to make season two start out great. And, you know, you still have to deliver the rest of the season. But in spite of all of the buildup and, you know, as Jonathan mentioned before, how rough of a year has been with the virus and all of the outbreak and quarantines for everybody, all the productions being shut down. We need this. I think everybody everybody agrees we need this. This is great. This is like we've been waiting on movies like like Black Widow and Wonder Woman 1984 for six to eight months after their supposed release dates. We still haven't gotten them. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel bad for the cast of those films who are like, we're this was supposed to come out like half a year ago or longer. What are we doing? Just put it out already or something. Um, But Mandalorian, it's it's here and it's great. And uh, it lived up to the hype. Episode one out of ten, um, out of a ranking system of ten. Jonathan, do you just have a number off the top of your head you would go with? Nine point five. Okay, nine point five. Um, it's nine- it's right below. I'll say this: it's uh, the episode two of the first season, the child. Uh, that's still. My number one, and that's a 10 out of 10. And I think this is tied with the eighth episode for second place. Okay. We'll see what you think after you watch it again. I'm going to give it a solid nine, a uh, solid nine. And I could go higher, but I couldn't go lower. So I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it right at nine and say, this was as about as strong as you can start off with. Uh, you know, just I think hmm. this is I think this is a better start to the season than the first season's first episode, right? Which not, they didn't have to not, set things up. Yeah, but. and and not to knock Dave Filoni or anything, just that this was just such like this just like hit everything it needed to hit, and the first episode it hit a lot of things and did it great, but there were a few things it missed. So this one, this one, top, top marks. Yeah. I, I liked it. Um, Compare the Boba Fett reveal to the Baby Yoda reveal. Season one, episode one, end of the episode to. I, I, I think <laughs> Which the is Baby bigger. Yoda reveal was bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. That was, so. Baby Yoda was bigger and I think it was better. But this episode did other things better that make yeah. up for it. So. Um, still, but normally we take this time and we take a break and we (laughs) go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. We take, we normally take a break during this time and, um, uh, announce our next topic, but we're not even going to take a quick break. We're just going (laughs) to jump right in and tell you what we're going to be discussing for our next episode. And I'm pretty sure Nathan already knows what our next episode is going to be. Okay, let let me give you the excessively detailed and long version. Mandalorian Episode (laughs) 2. Review. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was the opposite of the excessively long and detailed version. But I did stretch it out with my voice, so I guess that's you. You do weird things when you're behind a microphone, people. Oh, gosh. Brings out another side of you, like the dark side. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, so we're, we'll be back soon. And, yeah. and like Jonathan said, there's a possibility. Jonathan is planning to release this episode before episode two comes out. So will this be available on Wednesday or Thursday of this week? 
Uh, probably Thursday morning. Thursday morning. So uh, hopefully you all are listening to this before episode two comes out, and you're not listening to after it if you, after you've seen episode two and saying, "Bunch of idiots, you were totally wrong. This is what happened." <laughs> well, he wasn't a sand person after all. He was really disguised as a, uh, you know, <clears throat> as Jabba the Hutt. I don't know. He's a Jawa. <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah so um you can find us on uh facebook at two sons of tatooine you can find our podcast on you are just losing it nathan this is this is a weird anyway well, i was i was thinking about something anyway, else that the, the jawas might have picked up alongside of boba fett's armor i was like you know what if what if cobb banth is sitting there and he's He's like, I want that. And he turns and he says, also that. And it's uh, Leia's, the Slave Leia bikini outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and Cobb <laughs> like in a parody version, he's like wearing that instead. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like a joke scene. There's a... S- <laughs> I'm sorry, people that are listening. You don't want to listen to people just laugh, image. but... Yeah, I just burned that into your brain. Anyway, um, you yeah, you did. Find us on um, uh, it is you, you can find us a uh, Simplecast. Yeah, oh, that's right. we can find us on Simplecast. You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on um, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, just about anywhere you find podcasts. And you can also uh, find my writing over at Roku Depot. Um, at RokuDepot.com. I write book reviews for them. Uh, but until next time, I am book enthusiast Jonathan Cohn. And, and I am Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. A.k.a. Off the Rails Tonight. <laughs> and uh, thank you for <laughs> listening to Two Sons of Tatooine.